Yeah, if you want to know how I'm truly going, you have to ask my wife. Because, you know, we can, we can give the good answers, can't we, when people ask us how we're going? But if you really want to know, speak to Grace, she'll tell you the truth. Yeah, I'm really excited about today. I'm going to be telling you some stories. And I, I love telling stories. And I feel like if there's any gift that I have for the body of Christ, it's to do with telling stories. So this preach is called, or it's about, the Father and how he sends the Holy Spirit. And throughout the entire Bible, we see God seeking to win human beings' hearts because of his burning and jealous love for us, for you. He's in pursuit of us, isn't he? So, I'm going to tell you a story about Abraham, who's called the father of the faith because Abraham believed God. He believed, and it is credited to him as righteousness. So what he, just his belief, his faith. And we live in that same Abrahamic covenant now through Christ. We believe, and it's credited to us as righteousness. Sounds like an almost too good to be true gift, doesn't it? To believe and have righteousness credited to your account. So, Abraham's journey being led by God, um, in, the, in the beginning part, God asks him to leave his, where he's living, leave the place where he abides, and go to another place. And it's in Genesis 12, and essentially the Lord said to Abram, he was still Abram then, leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And there's a story that isn't in the Bible, but I've heard that it's like a traditional sort of folk story from Israel, from the Jewish people. And they tell this story of how when Abraham left his father's house, he went into the tent where his father kept all of the idols. And he, goes, he gets an axe and he goes around and just chops all these idols to pieces, just destroys all of them, except for one, which is carved like standing like this. And that one, he puts the axe in the, in the hands so the next morning, when Abraham's father comes in, he sees that his idols have been completely destroyed, but then there's the one standing there holding the axe, and he's like, what? I carved them with my own hands. And Abraham's like, so why do you bow down to them? Mic drop, and off he goes, you know. So anyway, Abraham, he's followed what the call of God in his life. He's believed him, he's trusted him, and he's moved on to this new place. And we're jumping to uh, Genesis 24. And by this point, he's been on a journey with God. He's had his son, Isaac. A um, bunch of stuff's happened, and you're going to have to read, go home and read Genesis 
But I'm going to pick up the story in uh, Genesis 24. Are you comfortable? I'm going to read you the whole chapter, all right? So it shouldn't take too long because I'm a good talker. Okay, so I'll give you a sneak preview. The Father sends the Holy Spirit. Okay, Isaac and Rebekah, Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, you had charge, who had charge of all that he had? Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young women to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. So he's been sent on this mission. It's a bit like looking for a needle in a haystack in a way. So he goes there, and the story doesn't tell you that the distance between where Abraham's living in Canaan and Nahor, the city that he's gone to, is a long way. He's basically traveling from present-day Israel to western Turkey, and it's arid. He's got 10 camels to carry his gear and all the stuff. So it's a long way. It's a decent trek. So he gets there, and it's like he's laid this fleece. He says, I'm going to ask her to get me a drink, and she's going to say to me, have a drink, and I'm also going to water your camels. Right? You following? Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden, 
whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon, the hand, upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel, 11 grams of gold, um, and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels, and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bought to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way of, to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and harnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife from my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the, wo the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink and I will draw from your for your camels also, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rachel came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. 
water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camel's drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camel's drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may return to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. May your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer-Lahiroi and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Got through that. Well done. Who followed? Who loves a bit of repetition? I think I said that bit about the camels and the family line three times. So I want to draw out the parallels between Father Abraham and Father God. Because when I read that story, I was just so struck by the, the richness of how that speaks to us and where we're at in our journeys. And just as Abraham sent his servant into a faraway country to find a bride for his son, so the Father has sent the Holy Spirit into the earth to find a bride for Jesus. 
And the few things that I want to focus on, the first one I thought was really powerful was that he came with gifts. He came to represent the wealth and the abundance of Abraham's house. In the same way, the Holy Spirit has come into the earth with gifts, not just for the body of Christ, but Carla's testimony was absolutely perfect, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit gives her a word of knowledge and she, through that gift, reveals the heart of God for that individual. So glad you shared that testimony today. Because think about it. The servant went to find her, went to pursue Rebecca, went to find her and call her. Not the other way around. When I think of gifts of the Spirit, I have to think of fruit of the Spirit. The things that, the, we, that we live in as children of God and get to access the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 1-5, it talks about the spiritual gifts. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I inform you that no one is, who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord, folks. Jesus is Lord. Think about that. When you say that, it's the Holy Spirit in you. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but from the same Lord. There are different ways of working, but the same God works all things in all people. And I think it's important to recognize that there's the diversity of the gifts is so important because sometimes we celebrate certain individuals in the in the body and we don't realize that every gift is to serve we're all on a level playing field and it's all for the edification of the body and to reach the lost the gifts are there and so when the, when the servant comes, I just want to read, a bit, read back a bit about verse 35, and he talks about the goodness of his father's house and how everything that the father has has been given to the son. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys, and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. In John 16, Jesus says to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will make of mine and declare it to you. Will take of mine and declare it to you. So similar, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit is going to come in the same way that that servant went and started to reveal the goodness. And so the Spirit, as he's working in the body and through the gifts and through the generosity toward lost people like um, Carla's example, he's like wooing us. He's, He's calling us to awaken our hearts to the goodness of the Father. And he's constantly revealing the beauty of the Son. And so he's gone and he's, the servant has found Rebecca, as we all are found like lost treasures, and he's called her, but she still has to decide how she's going to respond to this invitation. Is she going to go? Think of like the faith and the hope required to leave everything, to just leave your entire household to follow this servant, to trust this promise that he's got is legit. Another little story where Jesus talks about the, the same thing for us to be his disciples. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers. Yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. And anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own. Or he cannot be considered to be my disciple." It's exactly what Rebecca had to do, isn't it? Because remember how her family wanted her to stay for 10 days? Let us just, let us stay with us for just a bit longer so we can, she's like, no, I've got this call of God on my life. You know, I'm going after this thing. I'm I'm believing this is, this is an epic promise. Like, so she had to lay down her life, didn't she, to trust that what this servant, you know, the message was, was good. In the same way that we become eager to follow the Holy Spirit on a journey through the wilderness to a place we've never been to be joined to someone we've never seen. The weary world of woe, as Bob Dylan calls it. <clears throat> um, But isn't it awesome that in the story, like, she's on that journey and, like, I don't know, has anyone done the Larapinta Trail? It's like a thousand kilometers of, you know, desert, you know. It must have been a similar kind of length journey. And it's an arid region. Like, I've been to Israel and it's hot and it's dry. So this is an epic journey she's gone on. All the way from Western Turkey right down to Israel. 
And I just think like the servant, if he's taking on this, the, if he's a picture of the Holy Spirit, and think of the, the assurance, like he knows who, who he's representing. Think of the way he would have been encouraging her and just letting her know it's all good. Like this Isaac, he's a good top bloke, you know. So in John 14, 26, Jesus actually says, like, it's better that I go. It's a phenomenal, like, revelation to get your head around that Jesus, he's with his disciples, and he's like, it's better that I go because if I go, then I can send the Holy Spirit. I can send the Comforter. And it says, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible because it gives all these beautiful words to describe the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby. Who wants a mate like that? I reckon I could do this journey, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, with the Holy Spirit backing me up. Don't know about you. Whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. So she's on this faith journey to this promised husband. And Ephesians 1 talks about the Holy Spirit in us is like the guarantee of our inheritance. It's like the, the engagement ring. It's like the deposit. It's like the, yeah, the guarantee of our inheritance, the Bible calls it. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. The redemption of the purchased possession. That we are the purchased possession. We're bought by the blood of Christ. And the full redemption is that day that we get to be with the Lord face to face. The beginning of the new age to the praise of his glory. So the father desires a beautiful bride for his son. Personally, as a guy, the idea of being a bride, I just voice found that a bit weird. Um, but when the, when the word talks about the spirit of adoption, all the girls get to be sons. So I guess I have to handle being a bride when it comes to, right? So you girls, you're sons, and I'm a bride. But it's this tension that we now live in of the, like, the now and the not yet. The deal's gone, the deal's been done, but it hasn't gone down fully, you know? There's this full consummation when Christ returns. And the wedding and the feast that's to come but in the meantime you know we still have this incredible opportunity to engage in 2nd Corinthians 3:18 and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit who's the Lord who is the spirit the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So we get this crazy intimacy with the Spirit of God who we've been joined to. He who has been joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. We actually get to walk this journey 
with the Spirit of God, with the Comforter, and to know that we're united to him, that we're joined to him. And along the way, we're, we're, we're growing in the revelation of that sonship because your sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, you are also an heir through God. All that Abraham had became Isaac's. It was all his. Therefore, when Rebekah is joined to Isaac, everything that he has is hers. That's the covenant of marriage. And so I, I ask myself, and people ask me, what does your life now look like in light of that? That I am an heir through God that I am a son who's able to call out to his father, God, like nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can imp like alter that connection. Because like we talked about in worship, I didn't get myself into that place. So my failure doesn't take me out of it either. You know, and when I've failed, that's when I need him more than ever to be like, this isn't about me. <laughs> You know? And the grace of God is like, wow. Like when you've stuffed up, you're like so recognize the goodness of the faithfulness of the Father to empower your life. And it's just like clean slate. <clears throat> so Romans 8, heirs with Christ for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear you received a spirit of sonship by whom we cry out, Daddy God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So I might, Tully, would you mind singing us one more song? I feel today like I would personally like to just finish and respond in worship and just invite again and be reminded that the Holy Spirit is testifying with our spirit that we are God's children, that we are holy and beloved and accepted and we can do this, we can, we can walk with him. And you know when in the same way that Isaac was like ravished by the beauty of his wife, the Lord. Mm. See, I'm in the anointing. Ooh. When we meet him face to face, he finds us completely beautiful. He's ravished by us. Song of Songs is a perfect example of this bridal paradigm and this it's an allegory for the intimacy that Jesus has with his bride, Christ has with the church the body of Christ made up of the many members that are surrounding me in this room, every single person, a part, an equal part 
of that body. There's no higher or lower. We are one family. We're all one. It's true reconciliation. And I want to read to you from Song of Songs. And this is Jesus' response to his bride. For you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride, you leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshipping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. Let's stand up, folks. You have an opportunity now for the Lord to catch a glance of your worshipping eyes. We're going to finish with a song.